0: You know, one of the most exciting things about working with Gun.io is I get to work with some of the most important consumer brands and fitness brands and enterprise brands. And what you find is that they're all looking for the very best talent and they're competing for it. And one thing I tell clients all the time is that, hey, you know, if you can develop um, the mindset to, to hire remote freelance engineers, what you're going to find is that it opens up the pool of available talent because you're not going to have to fight over the same group of FTEs from all the other companies in your space. And so now what we can do is bring you a cohort of people that other companies aren't competing with you against. And it's really a competitive advantage to take stock of that and find some excellent people you can bring on board. This is the Frontier Podcast, powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at the Frontier Pod. John, it's great to have you on. Thanks for joining today. I'm excited to be here. So, if you don't mind, maybe just give a little background story of yourself and your work, you know, up to this point, so the audience can get to know you and uh, where you're coming from.
1: Sure, you bet. Uh, so, again, John Collier and I. Uh, I live in Lafayette, uh, Louisiana, which is southwestern Louisiana. Uh, I have been in the technology arena for about 26, 27 years, uh, and love every bit about it. Uh, My journey has taken me from from network administration and server administration uh, through uh, DevOps career, but uh, I've, I've been managing people uh, and teams since about 19 or, or since, yeah, 1996, uh, somewhere in that range, uh, owned a few businesses, side businesses, consulting businesses, um, uh, and, uh, and in the last 12 years have spent most of my time in building SaaS applications, uh, with a variety of companies. One was, uh, affiliate marketing for a couple of years. And then I worked with a company called Converza uh, and we built a product called Log My Calls, uh, which was uh, speech analytics for uh, marketing phone calls, call tracking software, that type of thing. And uh, most recently uh, worked with uh, CirclePix as CTO and um, we built marketing software for realtors, uh, virtual tours, virtual um, tours text reminders, all kinds of tools for them. Uh, And then uh, this last year, I worked with a company called Waldo out of Austin, Texas. Uh, And uh, that was a lot of fun doing facial recognition software. And then in the last six, seven months, uh, I started working with a company here uh, in Lafayette called ViMed, And it's a health uh, services, but medical uh, durable medical equipment company and we're bringing technology to this, so
0: yeah. So uh, a big path there from uh, Martech to uh, speech analytics to medical. You know, wow. Uh, uh, draw me a uh, draw me some lines there. I mean, how does that even happen? To you know, sort of all of a sudden get into durable medical equipment. I don't think <laughs> people usually have that path. It's a it's a it's a stretch for for some
1: for some paths but i think the connecting line there is uh analytics uh, on, on the underside uh, machine learning uh, experience now i'm not uh a, a data scientist myself but i've uh, managed teams and had several data scientists work with me um and i've just learned tons from them on on what the capabilities are where to find signal uh building models and that type of thing so uh from speech analytics and being in that space for six years to facial analytics, uh, with Waldo. And now what we're looking at doing is taking, um, the, the the healthcare machinery that exists that already collects data and doing interesting things with it. Uh, and, and so when I heard of the opportunity, I said, you know, I, I haven't done much in healthcare, uh, but uh, but I'm very familiar with the space through friends and coworkers and, and whatnot. But uh, and taking technology into healthcare was very interesting to me. Number one, because it's a, an amazing opportunity right now, but number two, it's where you can make a giant difference. And I've seen a huge need for innovation in healthcare. It's it's been very slow moving over the years. So I was excited to be in the space.
0: Yeah, and you, you guys work with ventilators, right? So uh, that's that's sort of some uh, critical stuff yeah. going on there. Um, and, and I imagine that the data opportunities are enormous, you know, that there's uh, a, a real-time stream of life-altering data that's being generated. And uh, right now, I, I don't know, maybe it doesn't go anywhere into analysis that can actually help people is – is that the path of, of the innovation, to, to it use the data? Is I, I think it's a slow
1: path. And in and in the medical industry, we have to be careful before declaring anything life-saving, of course. Uh, it, mm. By getting in the critical path, uh, it would take a lot of certification and that type of thing. What we're mm. going to be working on in the first parts of this are making sure our signal is, is straight, making sure what we're finding in, in the data... <phone rings> Uh, has some value. So, so things along the lines of, of when we gather vent data, it's already there to be gathered. Uh, Several of the manufacturers of these vents and we don't, and we don't only do vents. We do oxygen concentrators, lymphedema pumps. Uh, We have another division uh, that does CPAP machines for sleep apnea patients, um, which kind of see the thread and they have some similar, uh, Functions. it's all around, uh, the lungs and, and breathing healthy. Uh, the vents are, are unfortunately a terminal patient, uh, therefore a COPD or ALS patient. And, uh, you know, making those last years of, of somebody's life count and being able to enjoy life a little bit more while they are, are still with the families is, is very important to us. Um, so yeah, we, we, we plan on enhancing what we do from them, while, while our competitors just want to sell
0: more events. We want to provide more value. Sure, sure. So you talked off, Mike. You know, I think this is a really unique circumstance that that you were able to you know work very closely with the company before coming on, and the mandate being you know sort of, hey, build a, a technology, human and uh, machine infrastructure such that you know, that we can achieve this broad, uh, you know, future mandate. So, you know, sort of bring technology to the fold in this business. Uh, maybe, you know, talk about that a little bit. That's, uh, on the one hand, super exciting. On the other hand, you end up at that, you know, sort of minute one and be like, well, okay, I got the job and, uh, it's just me and a whiteboard, you know? So, um, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. So, well, fortunately I've, 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 built a few
1: teams uh over the years um and i think probably the most relevant uh, experience was uh at log my calls where i started off with three guys um fired two uh and and built a team from from zero up to about 110 on my team over a six-year period we we did some pretty good numbers there and uh and the company was doing uh pretty well when i left but Uh, starting here, uh, that wasn't too daunting because I had several people that I, I wanted to reach out to, to see, you know, after some of my non-competes and non-solicits had expired, uh, if they'd come back and work with me. And I've been very lucky to bring several, uh, of my, uh, path engineers with me. Um, I already had just, just from, again, from the experience and and from a lot of hands-on on the DevOps side of things, uh, an idea of how we would build this out. Uh, similar infrastructure from the previous two, uh, all Amazon-based. Uh, so putting it all onto paper, putting it all onto the whiteboard, as you mentioned, uh, was, the, was the, the way of going about it. And just start presenting to the board, presenting to the exec team, making sure that I was on the same path as, as where they were going with this selling them my ideas. And then it just became all of our ideas that we just started working towards. Um, I also made a few key hires almost immediately, uh, a VP of product, uh, and marketing, which, uh, was a rare find with, uh, with, um, a guy that I'd worked with previously also. Uh, and, and he and I are really good friends. And so he's now, Uh, chief marketing officer, and we co-own the whole product, uh, which is very exciting because we have a wonderful relationship. Uh, Director of engineering, who's one of the most talented engineers I've ever worked with. uh, And he's out of Portugal. Um, And the list goes on. Uh, uh, I also took over the CIO role here as I let our CIO go and and I'm rebuilding the internal team as well. That's, that's been the daunting part. That's been the tough part
0: because it's just a lot to tackle, but yeah. 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 So, you know, and maybe people don't, don't always know the, the weird sort of gray space between CIO and CTO, you know? And so as you're talking about, you know, digital transformation, product facing and market facing and then, you know, in internal, because you, you have a lot of that cultural shift that needs to happen to support your roadmap. Um, yeah. I mean, what, what's that like in the uh, navigating, you know, both of those That's been, that has been a bigger step
1: by far for this company than the, than the CTO. Here's why I'm in my CTO rule role. I'm building product that nobody's expecting yet. So nobody's depending on this. On the internal side, we have 300, uh, 330 employees uh, depending on an ERP system, our accounting system, our mail and productivity suite. Uh, uh, part of our process is uh, for that ERP system is intake. and we have uh, we have uh, respiratory therapists across the nation who are dealing with doctors that have, Uh, very different systems and most of them believe it or not uh have zero access to any type of api to send any data Uh, all patient records are being sent as 70 page faxes and we're still and we've still got people with one screen up uh with a fax and then doing data entry uh into this er and as you can imagine it's uh it's clunky at best, uh, and, and outdated for sure. So, uh, building up an internal team, providing business analytics, I've got a a brand new data analytics team and we're creating dashboards and stuff like that. Uh, uh, and then I've got a new, uh, programmer analyst who I've just hired who will, uh, also start working on some, uh, efficiencies, uh, Basically, interviewing each of the department managers and and seeing what they can do to improve throughput. We've got to scale this company scaling at an incredible uh, speed. So we've got to help help scale
0: with less employees per you know per uh, patient. And you talked about the internal being even more challenging than the the external. Is it the nature of you know sort of rebuild the plane while you're flying it in that case? For sure. And, and everybody feels what you're doing when you're, when you're not building
1: a brand new product, everybody feels the changes that you're making all 300 page, all 300 uh, employees know the things that you're working on, the payment processing, the this, the, that, and the other, they know exactly when they're waiting on something, the pressure to get things done is there, uh, the executive dashboards that never existed first time viewing into, I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening on the internal.
0: And there's that mixed blessing of you know total transparency. I imagine of you know the, the organization can get away with a lot of stuff that it couldn't before, you know, or, or rather before it could get along with or get away with things that you know transparency of data is you know sort of cuts both ways. If and when your culture is not maybe ready to be fully observed, see, that, see we have
1: it. We have a few people such as our CFO who are fantastic in presenting data, but it takes. Days and hours to 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 bring this to light and to and to display it throughout. We're required to be transparent. We're a publicly traded company, uh, but uh, getting at it has been difficult to say the least. And now uh, I've got a, a superstar business analyst, a data analyst, who's creating great Tableau dashboards and and meeting regularly with the entire management team to show them stuff, the sales team to show them opportunities and, and bring up uh, opportunities uh, for improvement. Uh, This is the first time that uh, this company has worked on uh, key performance indicators and stating them and, and, and showing them and we're getting uh, TV sets and dashboards all throughout the the facility uh, so that people know, you know, how they're doing. So it's going to bring giant dividends uh, for us.
0: How do you work with the operations function? Uh, Because it brings up an interesting question that CIO is always one of those roles that, you know, sort of came out of data-driven marketing and it came out of data-driven operations and you got your COO and you got your CMO and everybody looks to you to do kind of all those things. It's really what used to be, you know, maybe that Uh, IT function, but much more, you know, on the data and information side. And then, then you've got all your market dynamics coming in from, you know, new product development and roadmap and all that stuff. Is that a, is that a place where you see filling both seats, you know, kind of indefinitely or is that interim? Uh, It's interim. Uh, I knew that the guy that I had uh,
1: was, was not the right fit for now. uh, And that I would have to take over it simply because I had more experience great guy just uh, wasn't able to fulfill all of the, the the needs that I had in coming in. Um, and I've done it several times before again. Um, and it's, and it's a lot, it's, it's, it's a heavy load, but I think down the road, uh, either through uh, internal promotions and, and helping the guys that I'm working with and guys and gals that I'm working with uh, to possibly fill that seat. But I think, just on our current growth path uh, will probably be another year where I'm covering both. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's a, it's definitely not indefinite. It's too much of a load um, to carry indefinitely. And they're and they are different mindsets, by the way, it's, it's, it's a different hat that you have to wear when you're going from CIO to CTO in certain organizations where they're more operational in nature, you may have a CTO who has, who reports to a CIO um, in our case, where we're trying to make the transformation uh, into a technology company, a healthcare technology company. Uh, it'll be a CIO reporting to me. I I actually report to the COO of the company rather than the CEO because he's more operationally sound. He has a better organization uh, or head for organization versus our C- CEO who's brilliant when it comes to, uh, marketing and, and investor relations and vision and more of that entrepreneurial mindset as well. So.
0: Yeah. And so much of that is important as, as folks are designing and building organizations that, that take best advantage of the skills, you know, at the table and, uh, and you quickly find that, you know, sort of the textbook models of who reports to who and where, you know, that's going to change like organizational level per organization. And, uh, it's critically important. Uh, you talked about having uh, a nearly full remote team on the technology side, and I would imagine that's not the case for the rest of the business, and so there might be some cultural shifts there, uh, bringing remote work to the, the fray. What's that uh, been like? You said it. I'm the first one to have brought uh, talent
1: from outside of the country. Um, this, uh, this, com- this company has um, offices in 14 states, uh, uh, and a lot of that's, uh, just brick and mortar requirements from Medicare. Um, uh, you know, we're very much centrally located and then our respiratory therapists generally work from their home and then they have a set of areas that they cover. But, uh, on my team, I've, I've worked for the last, I don't know, probably 11, 12 years with remote teams and, and have learned the tools to make that work, uh, mostly, just daily standups, uh, video chats over either, you know, Google Hangouts or, or meet now, or, uh, whatever the tool is du jour. Right. But, uh, daily meetings face to face when we can get together in one of the common places and, and drink beer and and have fun together. But, uh, but that's really extremely important. Then Slack and JIRA, or whatever your tools are tool sets are for that for the communication but communication makes it happen so when i when i am recruiting i simply try and spread out to a a pretty well defined network that i've got uh that i've built over the years and uh and what i'm looking for is the best engineers period wherever they're from uh and and that's not always U S there are, there is tremendous amount of talent in the U S, but there's a tremendous amount of talent elsewhere. Uh, And I sometimes compartmentalize what I, what kind of talent I'll look for in different countries. But I'm currently on this very small team that I'm still building. I've got about a third of the people that I'm hiring right now. Um, But we've got a couple guys in the Ukraine. We've got one in Portugal who's actually from Poland. I've got, three in Argentina. I've got, uh, a couple in the Philippines. Um, and, uh, and then I've,
0: had engineers from many other places as well, but yeah. So you talked about having the very best engineers. That's something that that we think about all the time, you know, like how do you measure and, what's the systems for, you know, weeding out the, the 1%. So I I always ask, you know, yeah, sure. We have our system, but you know, what from your perspective and experience are the heuristics for, you know, sort of hiring and uh, retaining the very best, you know, engineering talent. How do you know when you're talking to that person? That's a
1: great question since I'm not a software engineer myself. Uh, My experience comes from more on the DevOps. I'm still quite technical and I, And I still do most of the architecture myself, uh, but hands-on coding, no. Uh, and so I start off with probably a group of three or four of the guys that I've worked with in the past who are superstar engineers and who have already built stuff with me. Uh, and, and then we vet them out together. So to me, personality is as important as the talent is, uh, Culture, you know the the, the cliche culture fit. Uh, it's it's real. Uh, number one, I'm uh, as a as a manager as a leader. Uh, I am definitely not a micromanager. I believe in hiring great people and giving them the freedom to do what they do best. So part of that is the culture. Uh, second, uh, we test every engineer that we bring on board. Um, So we have a a verbal uh, interviewing uh, position. Generally, my director of engineers um, will do that. Uh, And then we've prepared several mini tests uh, that the engineers, depending on their discipline, will do. It's it's a three to four hour uh, coding project. And some people don't want to do that. Some people think that's, well, you're going to pay me to do this. No, this is what you're going to do to to see if we'll hire you. Uh contractor or full time, we do the same thing. And uh and we're pretty insistent on it. So somebody turns in their code, we look through their code. Is it does it supply unit tests? Is it does it have good documentation? Does it have a good README file that that we know how to install it? And you're talking about your dependencies and 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 libraries that you used. Uh, does it include a to-do list, things that you got to, things that you didn't get to? Um, uh, how many questions did you ask? Because a lot of times in our mini-tests, we'll throw in uh, things that when the engineer sent or sees it, they say, why would they do it that way? Well, that was in there on purpose, just to have you ask. He said, are you sure you want to do it that way? No, we wanted you to question <laughs> <laughs> <And> that's <laughs> that's what one. we want. Is we want a very collaborative, a very uh, a, a a person who's going to question decisions, who's going to challenge uh, somebody who who can really get in there and own it. So.
0: That's great. Uh, I yeah. love that. Especially the to-do list part, you know, like what you get to and what you didn't. Cause it could shows that there's a longer term disposition to every project and it, you just aren't right. done. You know, there's no mythical done and uh, you know, going on to release new things and having new ideas, you know, that's it, a good way to suss that out. So excellent. Right. Excellent.
1: One more, one more piece of that is we're, we're generally looking for cause I I've never worked for, with a company that's been a, just a, a quick whammy app to build. Uh, so I'm also looking for somebody who's stuck with a specific project for over a year uh, that has developed a, a roadmap uh, of this, of a specific app. Uh, when somebody says I built 40 or 50 uh, uh, iOS apps, for example, that's great for somebody. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody who built an app on, well, hopefully in the healthcare space, and they've spent a year and a half developing version after version after version uh improving its performance improving the, the feature set etc
0: and you do that because it displays a certain level of uh you know the qualities that you look for in, in someone who you know would work on your team because it matches your culture so you know it's it's using the the technology approach for the whole purpose of, of finding those people Excellent. Exactly. Well, John, this is a great story. You know, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us, and you know, good luck with a, a very bold adventure.
1: <laughs> thanks, Ledge. It's been awesome. Appreciate your time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us. Head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.